Podcast New York. What's up, Dueling Decades? This is Wax. Peace to all you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Will it be the 90s or the 80s? Beanie Babies or Crack Babies? Will it be Nirvana or Madonna? Maybe Britney, maybe Whitney. Do you like new metal or new wave? Dave Grohl or Super Dave? I don't know. But now the battle begins. Dueling Decades. Let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the Podcast New York studios, it's another all-new Dueling Decades. The adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back. I am Mark James. And this week, we have for you another week experience battle where all of our competitors' picks must fall within one calendar week. I will be competing with June 24th through the 30th of 1989 alongside the other duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, he's sort of tall with hair and he wears t-shirts sometimes. Say hello to Man Crush. Very good description, but I have a hoodie on today. It's uh, I have June 19th through the 25th of 1994. And before we get to started, I just want to say, uh, Kaylee, I saw this on your Instagram where you had that picture yesterday where you're flipping off the crowd and you said you're ready to flip everybody off. You can flip us off. Like, let's just get it out of the way. All right, there it is. All right, that's what I got, though, for this week. Also joining us on the panel is the media king of the North. Please welcome Joe Finley. It is such an honor for you guys to have me this week. Oh, Lordy. Had my uh, had my uh, 14th anniversary last week, so I wasn't here. So I'm making it up by, uh, you know, showing up and actually doing my job this week. And I'm going to take a little double duty and take on June of 1977. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So this week's guest judges are from the dark pop band Rivals. All rise for judges Kaylee, Sebastian, and Mickett. Hello, hello. <laughs> What's up? What's up, y'all? I have to say, I think you guys might be the youngest judges we've ever had on this one. I think so, hey. yeah. How old do you think we are? I was like, wait, how old do you guys think we are? Yeah. <laughs> this could be a fun 35. game. Oh, that is you. so nice of you. <laughs> a little bit little bit older i may have been the youngest before that and i'm 39 he's 34 oh. i'm 30 right. <laughs> yeah, sweet that's manageable so this will be a new perspective because uh, seriously i think the youngest before this was uh who's, who's the wrestling guy that we had on oh. not R, not rj city actually maybe it was rj, yeah, I think it was RJ. He's, like, he's like he's like 30 <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they come on all the time. This will this will be fun. You guys, I think you'll know a lot of this stuff though. Yeah, we had John Cena on, but we couldn't see him. So <laughs> there it is. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories: movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And in the event of a tie, after all five rounds, we'll go to a final wild card round. 
Remember, duelers, to review the show. Listen, subscribe, and play along at home. It's time for more Dueling Decades. All right, let's go right down to our guest judges for tonight, members from the band Rivals. Joe, you can call it. Okay. And uh, it'll be between uh, me and Joe? Yeah. Sounds great. All right, sounds good. All right, I'm going to go ahead and call heads then. All right. Look at that table. It's a great table. It is heads. (laughs) Oh. All right, Joe Finley, you win the coin toss, and you get to select our first category. Oh, I always dread actually having to be the first person to choose because I never really want to be. Um, However, I think I'm going to go ahead and we're going to start with the news round. All righty. Okay. And so I want to take you back to uh, June 25th, 1977. I want to talk about a man named... uh, Anyways, there's a specific man whose last name is Sullivan, and I can't find his first name for some reason. But on June 25th, 1977, he was struck by lightning for the seventh time. And I want to take you through a little story that is God trying to kill this man for most of his life. Uh, In April of 1942, he was uh, hiding from a thunderstorm in a fire lookout tower. It was not, it did not have a lightning rod on it as it had been recently put up and fire was bouncing all along the tower so he had to escape the tower he was struck by lightning it actually tore his leg and his hair caught on fire let's skip ahead to july 1969 where he was in his truck lightning hit a pole near him and bounced off and hit him it is almost impossible to be hit by lightning in a truck but he this guy managed to do it his hair caught on fire by the way uh 1970 <laughs> He was in his front yard and just lightning hit a power pole and he went down again. Uh, This time he just burnt his shoulder. His hair stayed intact. Uh, (laughs) In spring of 1972, he was working inside a ranger station. He was a uh, park ranger uh, and he was struck again in the station. Uh, At this point, he became very fearful of death. Uh, as it was basically lurking around every corner to the point where anytime he saw clouds coming, he would lay down on the floor of his truck. Uh, whenever he saw the clouds, he'd stop the car and he'd just lay down and wait for the, for the storm or no storm to pass. That was the kind of guy, uh, 1973 on patrol in the park again, saw a storm cloud, uh, forming. So he started to run away. He got struck by lightning. His hair caught fire. No. (laughs) Number six. He injured his ankle being struck by lightning. But what was really funny is he was, uh, oh, no, that's the next one. Uh, it was the basically the exact same thing. He saw another cloud and he was convinced. He said in his story that he was convinced that it followed him because it looked to be going one way and he started heading away and it started heading towards him. He gets struck again. <laughs> hair caught fire again. Uh, so, of, so of the six, I've said five, his hair, his hair caught completely on fire. And then the final one, he was just fishing in a freshwater pool. He gets struck by lightning. He goes down. He loses consciousness. Uh, as he's coming to, he sees that a bear is trying to steal his fish from his line. And he had the wherewithal to beat the bear away with a stick. Because if lightning's not going to kill you, a bear's probably not going to do it after that many times. Um, he also recalled a time when he was a kid where he was holding a, his father's scythe out of, out of their farm. And he was struck by lightning again. But that one, he wasn't injured. And his wife was also struck by lightning once when he was in the yard with her. So this is a man... 
who nature is just trying to kill. The last time it happened to him, though, was June 25th, 1977. How did he still have hair? That's what I'm saying. You would think it wouldn't grow back. I keep seeing like his eyebrows get singed off and his eyelashes go away. I'm like, you would think it'd be like laser treatment at some point. Or it just horrible. wouldn't come back. How? How's he even living? Like it's seven times. And because it's news and I'm a bummer, he did take his own life shortly thereafter. Oh, oh shit. Damn. Oh, where'd it go? Oh. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but way you said how is he Way to alive? start the game off. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring nice. it up. I wasn't going to bring so, it up. Right? <laughs> All right, Man Crush, what did you bring for the news round? All right, so let's go June 21st of 1994. And I just missed out on a huge one here. It was the 25th anniversary of the Stonewall Inn riots. And there was an enormous gay rights march. Mark and I were talking about this beforehand that it like coincided with that event. But I missed it by like two days, so I couldn't pick that. So anyhow, so I keep digging through newspapers.com and I landed on an article from the early days of the Internet. Uh, that, and I still believe this one resonates today. It's funny that like we're talking about this 27 years ago here. But at this time in 1994, when I searched the term website, it came up with three matches for the entire month of June of 1994. And it was spelt web site. Like it was two right. words, which is the weirdest shit ever. And it, three times. I mean, I'm sure the search might have missed a few, but I mean, think about it. This is, it shows how far we've come in 27 years. I'm sure the term website pops up in, an, in one article more than three times, you know, like an entire month came up three times. Anyhow, this article right here, it was netiquette for newbies and nerds. And I'm just going to cover the highlights of this one. It's a lengthy article, so I'm just going to skim it. But for many computer users, connecting with a bulletin board or joining an online service is like visiting a foreign land. The language is strange, the customs are mysterious, and the terrain is unfamiliar. It's easy to make mistakes in these circumstances, just like an overseas traveler who blunders into the wrong restroom because he can't read the sign on the door. The online world is experiencing a kind of culture shock these days as hordes of new users known as newbies, buy modems and start exploring. Many are unaware that cyberspace, when was the last time you heard that term? Cyberspace has its own rules and conventions. And with that, they need to learn netiquette. Uh, think of netiquette as the rules of the road of the information superhighway, another term nobody uses anymore. The goal is to protect free speech while also prompting respect, tolerance, and courtesy. Now, I'm just going to, I'm going to provide you some of these rules of netiquette that she gave me here. Uh, it's It's been 27 years. We'll see how many of these still exist today and people don't follow them. I'm sure there's a lot of them. Uh, and she said, if you don't follow these, you will be flamed for ignoring them. I haven't heard that in a long time either. But here we go. Here's one. Uh, look around when you're getting started. See what other people are doing. Observation goes a long way. Sit around for a week or so before writing anything. This is known as lurking. There you go, people. Uh, two, be clear, be clear and careful what you write. It's easy for written messages, especially those laced with sarcasm or irony, to be misunderstood. If you mean something as a joke, end it with a smiley face. And then she explains how to make a, a smiley face. So if you don't, if you don't know, you shouldn't just just don't use the internet at this point. Uh, three, don't capitalize your entire message in the online community. This is viewed as shouting and is considered rude. And is sure and is sure sign of a greenhorn, whatever the fuck that is. I don't even know what a greenhorn is. So let's just move on to the next one. 
Put messages in the proper topic area. This is big. There's nothing more infuriating than having your reading of sports messages interrupted by a message about immigration. This is called losing the thread. Keep public messages short and to the point. Your mother might be interested. Your might your mother might be impressed by your six-page assessment of the Palestinians, but everyone else would rather for a paragraph. Use a civil tone in writing messages. Not only is it the courteous thing to do, but hostile messages reflect poorly on the author. I think those on Facebook should use this one. And obviously avoid obscenity and profanity. That is, of course, unless some asshole loses a thread, then fuck them. And uh, last one, it says, yeah, seriously. Last one, uh, finally, be kind when others make mistakes. You could be next. Uh, you know, after reading all these, I know a lot of people that should reread this article. That's 27 <laughs> years old. Uh, so I hope this helped. For the people listening on the podcast, can't see this or whatever, uh, I'll put this on our Facebook page and you guys can go over it. Maybe we'll pin it to the top of our group. But what I'm hearing is that nudes are on the table. <laughs> Sometimes. Phone out. All right. So for my news story, I found it in the Los Angeles Times, June 29th, 1989, where the headline read, A new flag will be hoisted over the Capitol Records building in Hollywood today. The rap, rock, and rolling Beastie Boys will raise a 15 by 20 foot flag with their logo to note the signing with Capitol in the July 25th release of the debut album on that label, Paul's Boutique. Uh, the roof of the Capitol Records building actually didn't have a flagpole at the time, so one was installed on the spire for the event, and it's remained there ever since. Along with the flag, they had Beastie Boys skywritten over L.A., uh, the three MCs and their friends that night, they spray-painted all over the roof, and while most of the gra graffiti was actually painted up within days, Yount's MCA tag inside the fuse box remained untouched. Following his death in 2012, the tag kind of just became the, the label's unofficial private memorial to him. Ad Rock mm -hmm. would say in the Beastie Boys book about this day, it's not like we wanted to burn the fucking flag or anything. We just wanted a huge American flag that said Beastie Boys on it flown on the roof of the Capitol Records building. And when Paul's boutique was finished and handed in the Capitol, that flag was raised for all of Los Angeles to see. We had a big record release party on the roof of that building. It's kind of Hollywood's own premier Empire State Building. The party coincided with George Bush's campaign to protect the American flag from desecration. We weren't trying to burn it or anything. We were the multi-platinum fight for your right to party guys. We were just really feeling ourselves, he said. We just wanted the world to know. Like, this was Frank Sinatra's building, but now it's ours. We truly believe that we were the shot callers. So I give you an unlikely memorial and a new flag over L.A. in Capitol Records with the Beastie Boys, June 29th, 1989. That was good. That's cool. I like that one. All right, let's toss it over to Rivals for our judgment on the news round. All right, one moment. <laughs> She's learning. I can't keep doing that. Technical <laughs> difficulties. Please stand by with this album. Yeah, they can hear us. Should we mute it? Okay, yeah, we're gonna mute it. Well, gonna <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna talk amongst ourselves then. I'm gonna. Like, they're, if I had they're phone, discussing this in secret right now. I the secret ballot has no place here. I'm getting. We're. I, I don't think we've ever done a show where we've had 
the a jury kind of go in seclusion and discuss yeah. it. Yeah, this there is this is. is serious. All right. Yeah. All righty. The winner is Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why lightning? So, take that, everybody. You got struck by lightning like eighty-seven times, bro. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I guess he. Yeah, he does so deserve sad it. It just became funny. Like, <laughs> like poor guy. Like, <laughs> and then he kills himself at the end. But at least he won this round. Yeah. He just, just he barely won that because he threw that at the end. He was like, by the way. <laughs> He shocked himself to death. Right. Was it electrocution? Oh, it, it wasn't. I, I, do toaster in the I, I didn't even want to bring up that he did it, so I don't want to bring up how he did it. I do know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, oh. oh now, now you got to tell. Oh, it's self-inflicted gunshot. Do we really need to? Oh, that's boring. Uh, <laughs> I thought that would be better than that. Loser. All right. <laughs> I was hoping to be ironic. Lightning. Yeah, <laughs> electric chair. Yeah, by toaster. I was gonna say toaster in the tub would be my way. <laughs> Paper cuts. I think I said toaster in the toilet bowl. Like he was gonna be swimming in there before. <laughs> All right, Joe Finley, you pick up our first point, but more importantly, you take control of the board and get to select our second category. Where are we going? All right. Well, let's go and give hot products a whirl. Alrighty. Okay. So I'm going to take you to June 30th, 1977. I'm actually going to go with an album this year. It's usually tough when you've got a week to find a hot product. And I'm going to uh, take you. You wanted the best. You got the best. It's Kiss with their album Love Gun. Nice. It was the sixth studio album by Kiss, but it was the first one to reach the top five in the Billboard 200. Uh, it was released on the heels of a Gallup poll that named Kiss the most popular rock band in the United States. Uh, that... Uh, poll included Aerosmith, uh, Led Zeppelin, and the Eagles, and it beat all of them out. Um, the album's the first one that all four band members are actually lead vocals on a song, and it was Ace Frehley's first time ever singing lead vocals in any of the albums. Uh, and it was also the last studio album to feature Peter Chris on every track. Uh, afterwards, he would get replaced at least here and there by uh, session drummers and stuff like that. Uh, the album topped out at number four on the charts in the U.S., number three in Canada. It was certified platinum. Little uh, bits and pieces. Uh, one of their uh, songs, the demo that they did for it, the guitar was done by Eddie Van Halen, then rather unknown. And just one of my favorite things from that album was in the movie Role Models, where... Uh, Sean William Scott explains to the little kid that his dick is the gun. Oh, you just heard my dog go bananas underneath me. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so Sean William. I thought that was your dick. No. <laughs> it doesn't work that well. No. This this was my dick. <laughs> oh, you got a really cute dick. That, thank you. You're, it happens to be you're not the first judge on this show to say that, but you're the, you're the one who it means the most coming from. <laughs> oh, I see how it is. <laughs> well, you didn't say anything. <laughs> He's waiting for you guys to also say the same thing. I'm pretty needy about this sort of thing. <laughs> All right, man, crush. What did you bring for the hot products round? I didn't bring music to the hot products round. That's what I didn't bring. <laughs> Trash. Joe Finley. Oh man, I like how you slipped that in at the beginning too. You're like. Oh, well, I had a week, so what I got is music. Oh, okay, you explain away for the next nine minutes what your pick was. 
Oh, all right. So let's go. Let's go to June twentieth, nineteen ninety four. And you know what? Statistically speaking, uh, coming off two consecutive hot product wins in a row, the odds are stacked against me to win a third. But I'm gonna give this one a shot. So back in nineteen ninety four. I was already on the internet for two or three years. So this actually kind of follows up the other one. So it makes sense. So I was already familiar with this product launch. And in 1994, uh, internet was not a basic utility like it is now for you youngins that are, that are over there. I'm sure you guys might not know this, but you had to search for a service and you had to connect to it with a slow ass modem. Uh, and I think around like, yeah, exactly. And right around 1994, I was rocking this sweet-ass U.S. Robotics 14.4 baud modem. So just to give you an idea how slow that was, it would roughly take about 30 seconds for a 50-kilobyte image to load, and that's not even a very big image. So I'm just throwing that out there so you could really appreciate when you're scrolling through your Instagram like a madman and seeing every image already there, that's how far we've come. Yeah, or Pornhub. I mean, either way. I mean, the shit's already there, right? You just click it and it doesn't even have to buffer. But anyway, like if you weren't living in a big city at the time, the chances are you didn't have like a local internet service provider to dial into. So what most people did was you had to get a big box service to get on, like they said before, the information superhighway. So of course, there's services like America Online, CompuServe, Prodigy. I think Genie was the other one. But then on June 20th of 1994, Apple decides to throw their hat into the ring and they launched eWorld, which was only for people with Apple computers at the time. And listen, I hear people bitching all the time about how much they pay for their internet. And that's one of the reasons I picked this one. Next time you're ready to complain about how much you're paying for the internet, internet, think about this. In 1994, if you wanted to use eWorld, you'd pay the mere price of $9, which is roughly $16 in 2021. But you'd only be getting two hours of use for the entire month. Wow. And that's only if you used it at night. If you used two hours during the day, it would be about $14 a month. I mean, it's fucking bargain, right? So, yeah, you could scrap paying $80 a month for broadband, which you get now, and you only pay $9, but you only get two hours. So think about that when we're complaining about how much we pay, and I do it the same shit. But what, what do you get for this amazing introductory offer of $9 a month, right? So they had this really slick town square, which it sort of looked like you're playing The Sims, it had like this whole like uh, village thing that was going on. And then you get like check your email, browse different forums, read the news, check stock quotes, sports updates, play a few games, buy something mega expensive at the marketplace. And, or you could chat with other Apple enthusiasts and like countless chat rooms. I mean, nothing earth shattering that they had here. Problem was this. Apple lacked Steve Jobs in 1994. Jobs, he wouldn't be back with Apple for another three years. And it showed the marketing for eWorld was utter dog shit. The pricing, as you can see, was insane. And compared to other services, it was way more. And they never opened up eWorld to PC users, which they said they were going to do. So that said, they ended up shutting down eWorld two years later. And they only amassed about 100,000 subscribers. And they just were hemorrhaging money at this point. So that leads me to why this is a hot product. Because it sounds like utter dog shit, right? So today, Apple is worth roughly $2 trillion. I'm not even making that figure up. That's how much they're worth. They're one of the top five most valuable companies on the entire planet. In 1996, when this product was killed off, Apple was worth about $11 billion. All right. But this was their biggest loss in years. They lost $69 million in the first quarter of 1996 alone. 
Nice. Which, which leads to the forced resignation of then CEO Michael Spindler. So without these insanely horrible decisions like eWorld, Steve Jobs might have never come back. <laughs> and then you think about that, where would Apple be today? Would Apple be a $2 trillion company? Or would they have continued to hemorrhage money making these bullshit things like eWorld? So I give you a huge, hot, steaming pile of guano. It's Apple's eWorld as my hot product. Okay. Was that nine minutes, Joe? I I didn't time it. I, I dozed off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Music round. <laughs> All right. So for my hot product, we're going to go to the pages of the Chicago Tribune, June 29th, 1989. And we'll peek inside George Lazarus on marketing. He's got a segment in there. It says, Lifesavers makes a wholly new item. The company that has garnered a reputation for selling the candy with the hole now wants to market its centerpiece as well. The mainstay product, of course, is Lifesavers. The new item spotted by sources in Ohio and Florida is Lifesavers Holes, which inform will remind consumers of the mini mints pellets sold by Tic Tacs or Certs. He goes on to say in the article that Lifesavers, Lifesavers isn't willing to say much about this new product right now, except to disclose that it will be on retail sale in selected text, test markets later this year, perhaps in November. Now, other sources keep this on the down low. They say the item may be on sale by a distributor sometime earlier. Real vague there. Lifesavers holes came in a plastic container with a flip top cap packaging. It's kind of similar similar in size to the original Lifesavers roll. Now, the Planner's Lifesavers spokesperson described the new items as a bite-sized mint or fruit drop candy. But bite-sized mint might be an exaggeration, as the 45 candy balls in each package of Lifesavers collectively weigh 0.28 ounces. Now, for example, a regular roll of Lifesavers has 11 candies in it, and that weighs 0.9 ounces. Lifesavers holes will come in six flavors and were reportedly will retail for 45 cents. So that's one penny for each one of those little tiny candies. Now in 2021, that's two cents. So just to <laughs> up you in for inflation here. <laughs> now it said the article says that there is top dollar and hard, ro hard rolled candy and soft breath fresheners, uh, which may be up to $500 million. Lifesavers is still the dominant brand in rolled candy, but competitors have been putting the squeeze on the brand, causing the number one company to come up with the idea of selling its missing piece. Unfortunately, Lifesavers Holds was just plagued with problems. After being on the market for the second half of 1990, they were recalled for a choking hazard in 1991. Now, not for what you think. It wasn't the tiny BB-sized candies. People were chewing and choking on the plastic lids. They did reappear four months later with new packaging, but they were eventually taken off the shelves forever. So I give you Lifesavers Holes. And if you said you ate them one at a time, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> well. <laughs> so let's throw it down to Kaylee, Sebastian, and Wicket for the ruling on the hot products round. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you called him Wicket. Wicket. You yeah, called him Wicket like you're watching Willow. No, it's way cooler. Although I am easily confused with the Ewok from Star Wars. <laughs> I've never heard of someone call him that. It's oh so my weird. god. He gets Nicket a lot, like N I C K E T. Right, but not Wicket. That's funny. Oh, come on, man. Wow. It's a new, it's a new nickname. It's a new nickname. Oh. Now hold on. The the audience actually wants you to deliberate out loud they want to hear what you're saying is that what they're saying in the chat they want to hear yeah that's oh, that's yeah. what they said oh, earlier right. yeah i i know exactly what i think we should pick yeah. uh i think we should pick the lifesavers holes uh yeah. for the sake that i vaguely remember this actually <laughs> well you are hundred <laughs> yeah I, and I, do <laughs> oh, remember, Jesus. I do remember trying to eat one at a time and it never worked out no <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, i can see how that would it. cause choking I wanted Not to the choose. Lid. Uh, I wanted to choose the Mac thing because it, they lost sixty nine million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Seth? I mean, honestly, the the holes is pretty funny. All right, holes it is. Holes, right. <laughs> holes take sixty nine. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So I uh, have control of the board. I get to select our next category. Uh, let's go over to the TV round. So, flipping through the channels on June 27th, 1989, with coverage beginning at 6.35 p.m. on the Superstation TBS, you come across an event that would be televised for the very first time in primetime. This sporting event would make millionaires and make dreams come true and make us say, what the hell were they thinking? As eight of the top ten selections on this night would just be labeled as total busts. Now, I see the commissioner coming to the podium, so it's time for the 1989 NBA Draft. So, for the 1989 NBA Draft, the rounds were reduced from three rounds in the previous year down to the two-round format that is still in use to this day. As a result, the NBA Drafts from 89 to 95 produced the lowest number of total picks at just 54. Uh, This was the first ever draft for the Minnesota Timberwolves, And my favorite team, the Orlando Magic. Now, this was all prior to their first season in the association. So let's go over and take a look at the big board and see who the winners and losers were from that night. Our first overall pick was six foot nine, two hundred and ten pound Purvis Ellison out of Louisville. Now, unfortunately, the NCAA champion and all American nicknamed Never Nervous Purvis would go down to be known as Never in Service Purvis once he hit the NBA. Uh, Duke's Danny Ferry was the second overall pick. He would play his first season in the Italian League after refusing to play for the Los Angeles Clippers, the team that drafted him. Now, if you keep going down on here, uh, the number four overall pick was uh, Glenn Rice to the Miami Heat. And then we had a slew of just players that washed out of the league. J.R. Reed, Stacey King, George McClude, Randy White, Tom Hammonds. And then we get to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who make their first ever pick. And Pooh Richardson and the Orlando Magic picked up one of my favorite role players of all time, Nick Anderson. Uh, The number 12 pick belonged to the New Jersey Nets, and they selected Eddie Veteran Company as they picked Mookie Blaylock with the 12th pick. The big two picks on the night were actually further down. We had Tim Hardaway going at number 14 to the Golden State Warriors. He would go on to lead that team for years. And then all the way down at number 17, we have Mr. Sean Kemp going to the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, he would just be a mainstay for that franchise and, well, many other franchises 
for years. So that's what I got for TV viewing. It's live on TBS. It's the uh, 1989 NBA draft. Yay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Joe Finley, what did you bring for the television round? Well, I also brought some sports with me. Uh, I want to take you down to San Francisco and the Giants' Willie McCovey smashed two home runs in the same inning. He is not the first person to do this, but he is the first person to do it twice. Uh, he had previously done this in 1973. Uh, this was his second, and nobody had ever done that before in the league. In fact, only five people total since then have ever accomplished that. I have the names right here, too. Why not? Uh, it was uh, McCovey, and Andre Dawson, Jeff King, Alex Rodriguez, and Edwin Encarnacion, former Blue Jay. Uh, just my Canadian little point in there. Uh, one of his two home runs was a grand slam. Uh, he actually uh, still to this day leads the National League in grand slams with 18. Uh, I had to go through he's fifth overall in Grand Slams, but everybody else was an AL player. Uh, it was a huge day. It was a huge accomplishment and not one that like the baseball players that everybody knows and loves, none of them have done this. It's a very small amount of people and he was the first ever. So uh, June 27th, Willie McCovey smashes two in the sixth inning. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man crush. Well, let's see what you brought for the television round. Was it more sports? <laughs> Please. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's not got no. <laughs> no, no. Let's go uh, June 24th, 1994. If, you know what? First things first, if you're new to this show, I know our judges are new to the show. So this pick right here, this exemplifies why we call this the week experience. And that could be taken either way. W-E-E-K, <laughs> W-E-A-K, if you like. However, uh, we're, we're going to see this for a couple months, especially when it comes to television. Uh, we're in the midst of the summer. TV shows are in hiatus. We're, we rarely get anything in the summer that premieres and sticks for the fall. Interestingly, though, I kind of found one that stuck. Is this a juggernaut? No. Is this something you likely remember? Probably not. But it did stick around for three seasons and 18 episodes. And it was something I probably would have watched Uh this is history, though. We don't always find gold in the dates that we have, but hopefully sometimes we can find a diamond in the rough. So I'm making some assumptions here, which I don't like doing, but I think these assumptions make a lot of sense. This show, it ran on Fox, and one of Fox's biggest shows that debuted in 1993 was X-Files. So my oh, guess is this. Sorry, sorry, I called it. I was like, X-Files. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not actually X-Files. I'll explain this to you. <laughs> so this is my guess. Fox saw how well X-Files had done in its first year. And they said, we need to feed this audience more alien and occult shit. So let's do something on the cheap and get these people satiated while they're waiting for the new season to begin. Then they flipped over to NBC and they watched Robert Stack send chills down everybody's spine with Unsolved Mysteries and said, fuck, let's just combine X-Files and Unsolved Mysteries. And so they did. And on June 24th, they premiered Encounters, The Hidden Truth. Get it? X-Files, the truth is out there, the hidden truth. Yeah. And it's like, and each one of these episodes, they usually covered several like specific topics or cases, just like Unsolved Mysteries. 
here's a disclaimer that they ran before every episode. And seriously, if a show has a fucking awesome, like if a show has a disclaimer before it, it's just awesome. All right. So here it is. It says the following program deals with controversial subjects. The theories, opinions, and beliefs expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all the information available. All right. Let me just say this one is tough to find. Uh, but there are a few episodes on YouTube. So if you're in the mood for a broke ass Robert Stack lookalike, uh, alien probing, <laughs> cattle mutilations, exorcisms, Bigfoot, Marilyn Mance or uh, Mance, Marilyn Monroe <laughs> being <Yeah>. killed. <laughs> they, they actually had an episode about Marilyn Monroe being killed because she knew too much about aliens. They had that on there. They were talking about ghosts, vampires, violent dreams, and a bunch of other crazy shit. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the basement. And I want you to watch Encounters, The Hidden Truth, alone and with the lights off. And then let me know if it creeps you out. Because it's fucking, like, the quality of these recordings are creepy in itself that you watch on YouTube. And it's pretty fucked up. So watch, it's Encounters, uh, yeah. The Hidden Truth, debuts June 24th, 19. He's writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard to find. You'll find, you'll find three episodes in the pilot. Okay, you after this you need to remind me again. <laughs> I will. Just just let me know. <laughs> so, we don't like sports. Pause <laughs> real quick. Pause They're going with the NBA draft. I like sports only football and UFC or one championship. <laughs> so, we like sport. <laughs> sport. <laughs> Singular sport. Uh, we're all sci-fi nerds. And I'm a conspiracy nut, so. So we're going with yeah. baseball. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go with unsolved mysteries. Yeah, yeah. encounters. That's encounters. What yeah. <laughs> Don't call it unsolved mysteries; they'll get sued. Think about cattle mutilations. <laughs> cattle <laughs> mutilations. I just want to. I, I the episode I was looking for was the Marilyn Monroe one, where she was killed off for knowing about aliens. I, I could not find it. that one. Oh god! Well, in fact, there's a conspiracy episode. about Princess Diana being killed because she was gonna reveal the conspiracy of aliens in the royal family. Oh, he's really Damn. in a conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty. That's a good one. He was a producer on Encounters. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all good source material for writing new music for another album. So. Wait, he would have uh, been yeah. like he was a producer when he was like six. Yeah. No, yeah. how old? Are we? It was 1984. How old are you? Yeah. <laughs> Got a Shove it up his butt. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, shove it up his butt. Yes. <laughs> all right, man, crush. This game is all tied up. You have control of the board, and we got two categories left. We got movies and music. Where are we going first? All right, since we have a band on, let's finish with music and let's go movies right here, around four. And let's go once again, June 24th, 1994 is probably the only time anything was happening that week. Uh, <laughs> it's honestly the truth. Joe, I just noticed this on the live feed. Yeah. You're doing the transitions and you, I, I didn't notice you if you're doing the hand signals. I'm not. It's the, um, oh, all right. there's, there's no audio going with them right now or very light audio. So you can keep going. All right, cool. Fine. I thought you were going to scold me anyhow. No. All right. So a couple <laughs> episodes back. Oh, well, no, you didn't. Uh, we, we did this. We did this big Canon films episode, which might be like before your time. But uh, we had uh, Austin Trunick on. He was the author of the Canon film guide, which I still have sitting right here. 
And the movie that I brought to the fold in that one was Death Wish 2. And had I not picked that movie so recently, I probably would not have seen the connection with this movie. Uh, unlike Death Wish 2, this movie does not take place in the modern era. Instead, this one takes place in the semi-late 1800s, I think 1870s, early 1880s, somewhere around there. But I promise you there's a lot of similarities between the two. When you look at Death Wish, like any of them, one through five, Paul Kersey, he's living basically in a lawless environment, right? And he takes matters into his own hands. And this movie right here, Starts with some law and order and then rides right into some straight Paul Kersey style vigilanteism. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. Vigilanteism. We'll make it a word. It isn't. It better be. So at the box office, this movie, it's surprisingly, it only brought in 25 million bucks, which is roughly $45 million in 2021. Only. But uh, only (laughs) because it had a higher budget. Budget was like 50 million bucks. We're talking about 1994. So. It's not a huge take in, but honestly, like I was a little surprised by the figure because like at the time this genre was hot and that said, I think it suffered at the box office because this movie was beat out a year prior, actually probably about six months prior by the smash hit tombstone, which I must admit is fucking amazing. It's probably one of my favorite movies of the nineties altogether. I'm your huckleberry. Oh, dude, it's amazing. <laughs> like, I love that movie. Anyhow, like uh, fun, this oh, is fun fact. All right. Are oh. you allowed to like interrupt or whatever? Yeah, well, go ahead. You, you, well, you already did. So I, just thought, I just thought of a. It reminded me of a tourist story. So we we uh we did a a five day festival cruise to Mexico with Papa Roach and like a bunch of other bands that were on it. Nice. nice. Um, well, that was the headliner. But uh, they so we had, each had our own cabin, and I found some fans that that's not brought true. weed onto the ship. We had bunk beds. And, well, yeah, <laughs> whatever. But they brought weed onto the ship, and I was like, yo, what's up, dude? Like, and <laughs> friends. Literally the entire time, all I would do is I'd go to the fans' place. We'd smoke. They had 24-hour, like, buffet, whatever you can have. Would go grab that, go to the bottom of my uh, – or not the bottom – the bottom of the ship where the rooms were, and they had Tombstone running nonstop. Like, once yes. the movie was over – it started over and again. So, like, I ordered countless of chocolate milks, had the food, <laughs> high as shit. Instead of going out and enjoying the ship and shit, I, I sat as home, sat in the room, <laughs> literally eating, watching Tombstone. That's amazing. And to tie that together, I saw uh, Papa Roach at Ozfest. I think it was two thousand one, and they started a riot. And Sharon oh, sure. Osborne, <laughs> there was like mud being tossed. Like they had just sodded the field where I think we were at PNC and they had just sodded the field and uh, everyone was ripping up the new sod and tossing it on the stage because oh, because uh, they told them to. And uh, Sharon Osborne <laughs> had to come out on the stage and tell all of us assholes to stop throwing mud before. And then they ended up getting arrested and this whole thing oh, happened shit. or whatever. Great story. But anyhow, so we'll, we'll move on from that. Thanks for sharing. Uh, but that's probably the that's probably the reason this movie didn't do well, though, is because that came out like six months beforehand, and that movie killed. And uh, if you didn't know this, this is interesting though. Uh, Kevin Costner, of course, the movie I'm talking about is Wyatt Earp, and uh, Kevin Costner was actually supposed to be in Tombstone, and uh. he decided that they just weren't focusing enough on Wyatt Earp, so he left the project and then started this project, and you know they they did Wyatt Earp instead. So getting back to what I was saying earlier about Death Wish, 
I mean, sure, like Wyatt Earp, he's a lawman, but he ignored all the rules. Once his younger brother Morgan, you, you're familiar with Tombstone, so same story, right? His his younger brother Morgan gets killed in front of him while they're playing pool, and then his older brother Virgil gets ambushed and maimed. He loses a uh, function of his arm. It's so right after that, like Wyatt, Doc Holliday, his other brothers, and a couple other dudes, they go on what they call the Vendetta Ride. And it doesn't get any more vigilante than this. They they literally just rode around the territory and just gunning down any cowboys had anything to do with his brothers in Tombstone. So he kills Frank Stilwell, Indian Charlie, Johnny Barnes. Then he basically obliterated Curly Bill's body, who's in Tombstone, but I think his death is a little bit different in that one. Completely blasts this dude. And just like Paul Kersey, Wyatt Earp is wanted by the law after all this stuff is said and done. And then he gets arrested and they let him off. So I give you the original Paul Kersey. It's Wyatt Earp, June 24th, 1994. Okay. Sorry, I'm making it to borrow my shoes. That <laughs> <laughs> happens. Yeah, weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what size are your he shoes? Small to fit? Feet. I don't have feet. Oh, oh, no, like... the other way. <laughs> all right. Actually, I think, fun fact, everyone has small feet. Yeah, we all have small Actually, No, Josh doesn't. Josh has normal feet. Okay, this is totally irrelevant. Okay, Wait, what? What? What is a normal shoe size? Well, well, they make fun of me and call me Littlefoot because I'm six two and you know, I have <laughs> nine and a half, so they call me Littlefoot all the time. <laughs> I wear Makes a men's sense. seven. He wears a men's seven. I wear a men's eight. Do you guys share shoes on tour? Accidentally, accidentally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, we both ended up buying the same pair of shoes, not on purpose, just separate, and then ended up on tour. And we kept, he kept putting my shoes on, thinking they were his. Were they heels or anything? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to ask. I'm sure people are curious. Yeah, how did these get on beer? Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's hard to derail you. <laughs> Make my calves look great. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, Josh calves. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> All right, Joe Finley. What did you bring for the movies round? Something about shoes, I think. No, um, uh, I found a world premiere in New York. Uh, I saw coverage for it in the San Antonio Express, went to newspapers.com. And uh, on June 26th, 1977, they covered this big gala, which was the after party for this uh, world premiere. And all the, you know, all the who's who was present. Uh uh, JFK Jr. and Caroline Kennedy with their mom, Jackie O. They were all there. Uh, all the stars of the movie and mayoral candidate Bella Abzug just showed up and crashed the party and created a very large scene there. This was all at the plaza. Uh, and uh, the producer of the film who put on the party, Joe Levine, had a particular uh, issue with it and uh, lashed out at her at the party and in an interview later on. Uh, but the film that I am talking about was actually a Richard Attenborough-directed film called A Bridge Too Far. I love that movie! There you go. It <laughs> is... It's, it's a weird movie because it's about a specific failed operation called Operation Market Garden, which was uh, basically an air and land operation to uh, take over and cross a number of bridges in the Netherlands that was very unsuccessful. And actually it was so unsuccessful that one of the 
stars almost refused to do the movie because he thought that the movie was glorifying a military disaster. But the people who were involved in this movie more than the movie itself just blow, blows my mind when you just read the list. So it's directed by Richard Attenborough. As I said, he did Gandhi, a course line chaplain. He was John Hammond in Jurassic park for people who know him that way. Uh, it was written by William Goldman who did Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, uh, princess bride, all the president's men. But here's the list of stars in this movie. Sean Connery, Lawrence Olivier, Michael Caine, Ryan O'Neill, Gene Hackman. It also featured Anthony Hopkins, James Caan, Elliot Gould, Robert Redford, and John Ratzenberger, because, you know, John Ratzenberger was lighting up the writing up the films, being in Star Wars and A Bridge Too Far uh, all at the same time. So Attenborough only did the movie because he was trying to fund Gandhi and Levine gave him a ridiculous amount of money to go do that if he spent a ridiculous amount of money money to do this one. Uh, but Roger Ebert tells a different story about how this movie went. And he said, a bridge too far is an excess is an exercise in wretched excess. We're prepared to speculate that maybe Joe Levine went two or three, even three bridges too far. Uh, the movie cost about $26 million. That's the equivalent of $116 million today. Uh, it was one of the highest budget movies at the time. And it didn't get a lot of uh, praise and awards on this side, but it was nominated for four BAFTA awards in England, including Best Supporting Actor. So that is my movie, uh, the world premiere of A Bridge Too Far. I will say that movie was way too fucking long. <laughs> that's the only thing so was Wyatt Earp Wyatt Earp was three hours yeah, that, yeah. literally yeah. that's a Kevin Costner short yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously it's like you got two hours in me for and after that it's uh, that's whatever like I hear you I'm on the same page hour and uh, a half I'm like yeah. a 90 minute movie person <laughs> after that just end it literally strike me by lightning or something <laughs> again yeah all right, so for my movie selection, let's go to the pages of the Los Angeles Times, June 29th, 1989, where I found a sneak preview of a film that was partially based on a low-budget Hindi film and was originally set to star Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. And it was directed by the same guy who gave us First Blood, North Dallas 40, and Uncommon Valor. So the almost full-page ad for this sneak preview reads... Free screening tonight, 8 p.m. for Weekend at Bernie's, starring Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman. A one-time only free screening tonight, first come, first serve. Regular engagement starts July 5th. Uh, I did find the review for Weekend at Bernie's during my week. Uh, This one was out in The Times out of Shreveport, Louisiana, June 30th, 1989. In Weekend at Bernie's, two guys are invited by their boss to his posh beach house. They arrive not only to find the host dead, uh, and they spend the rest of the movie trying to conceal the fact. This is a little funnier than it sounds. Weekend at Bernie's, in the tradition of most summer dribble, relies on certain loudish tolerance on the part of the audience. To enjoy the film requires accepting as funny the sight of a dead body being knocked over balconies, dragged behind a speedboat, buried in the sand by a kid with a toy shovel, and so forth. And then he ends the article by saying, McCarthy continues a nearly unbroken string of unremarkable performances. Silverman is pleasantly put upon, and Stewart as Gwen required only to look perplexed. And Kaiser is more believable as a corpse 
than his colleagues are as living, breathing characters. Weekend at Bernie's director, Ted Conchiff, actually has a hilarious cameo in the film, and it's one of my favorite parts in the film. It's when Jonathan Silverman's on the couch with Gwen, and they're making out, and then his dad comes out in his underwear, and he's like, oh, that'll be all, Monroe. Why don't you lay my blue (laughs) suit out? And he's like, why don't I lay you out? That's the director of the film playing his dad. Great cameo. So, yeah, I give you Weekend at Bernie's. In a special sneak preview, June 29th, 1989. To me personally, I'm just going to be biased and say A Bridge Too Far just because that's my, <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Um, actually, okay, little little random thing. I Sometimes I tend to put weird stuff together, but I'm pretty sure the dance, the Bernie, is based off of that movie. I, would I don't know how people got there, but like, do you remember the, the dance is very like... And the Are you talking about Weekend at Bernie's 2? Yeah, that's Weekend at Bernie's 2. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I'm going with that one just based off of that. And plus I've never seen any of them. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. I'm not a big movie person. Why'd you go? Oh the energy was just there. No, I've never seen any of them. Uh that one's funny and that one's serious. It's not serious. It's serious. You're too serious. Flip a coin. Flip a Bernie. I don't know what I did with that. <laughs> I'm, going with Bernie. I'm going with Bernie. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I the audience is going Bernie as well. Yeah. Looks like. All right. Sorry. So I pick up two points in that round, and we're heading into our final round, which would be the music round. All right. We'll start off with, uh, with my music selection here. Uh, after the death of this band's guitarist in 1985, they all decided to part ways. Now, sometime after that, they all began working on new music, and these songs would bring the band back together again and give us one of the great comeback albums of all time. This album proved to be one of the greatest commercial achievements for the band, and its success propelled the band to international superstar status. And on Wednesday, June 28, 1989, according to an ad I found in the LA Times, you could attend the album release party at the club Hot Lava for... Cosmic Thing by the B-52s. Ah, okay. Ah. (laughs) Now, Cosmic Ah. Thing would soar to the top of the Billboard album charts, sell 5 million copies, and yield their first ever top 10 hits, Love Shack and Rome, and the top 40 hit, Deadbeat Club. Now, off the success of Cosmic Thing, the reunited B-52s played to sold-out audiences worldwide on a tour that lasted more than 18 months, including an Earth Day gig before nearly three-quarters of a million people. And that was held in New York City's Central Park. Love Shack peaked at number three and was named by Rolling Stone as the best single of 1989 in the 246th greatest song of all time. Tin Roof Rusted! I give you Cosmic Thing by the B-52s. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. What did you bring for the music round? It wasn't a rock. It was a rock lobster. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to bring you something. Uh, June 26, 1977. Uh, 
The man himself, Elvis Presley, sings his final concert prior to his death in August uh, at the Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was actually for a special uh, called Elvis in Concert. Uh, he was a compilation of him traveling through multiple places. Uh, he may not have expected that this was going to be his last concert, but if you saw the concert, you probably would have expected uh, to the point where they had to edit this thing so much because he had to struggle through songs. Uh, the well-known uh, spoken part of Are You Lonesome Tonight? They actually covered up with uh, fan footage from the, from uh out in front of the buildings and stuff like that because he was just fumbling through it and it was really struggling uh, at that point he had been you know addicted to painkillers and he'd put on a lot of weight and all I that actually kind of stuff. saw that video with my mom really wow yeah that's crazy um you can find a lot of this cut footage too in the documentary this is elvis if you are so uh looking for it but let's just look back at the man's career 23 studio albums 18 soundtracks 19 live or compilation albums 29 eps 24 box sets and 107 compilations that came out after he died uh he had 100 gold records 57 platinum 25 multi-platinum and sold roughly 600 million albums worldwide uh, he starred in 33 movies as well. I mean, everybody knows who he was. He was the the biggest selling uh, solo performer of all time until his son-in-law, Michael Jackson, uh, took over some of those records. And uh, <laughs> it's so I, I mean, you know, the end of just one of the most dominating eras of uh, one person in music. I give you Elvis Presley's final concert. Wow, That's a good one. That's a good one, Joe. All right, man, crush. What did you bring for the music round? <laughs> He's like, shit. How am I supposed to go? <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it, this is merit, and I know Joe is selling it as the lineage, but this is his worst performance. In the, and I'm a huge Elvis <laughs> fan, so I mean, you're really looking at the bottom of the barrel. This is like the dynasty. Fo- I know you guys love sports, so this is like the dynasty football team that then goes 0 16. So I mean, it's it's basically what it is. Um, I'm on the other side of that. I'm, I'm starting at the bottom and, and rising up. So let's go once again, June 24th, 1994, which happened to be a Friday, which everything seems to have landed on. And this song, it reminds me completely of high school. I mean, everything about this. And I know that probably makes me sound like I'm next to death because she thinks you're old and you're 34, <laughs> but I'm 35 tonight. So that's, we're all good here. Um, but I, I looked at the albums for this week and like nothing spoke to me. Uh, but when I, I looked at the singles and there were a few good ones, so I had to go the singles route. So not only is this song and band like a fantastic snapshot of mid 90s alternative rock, but this is also their first single that this band has ever released. It's also the first song that the lead singer of this band ever wrote. Uh, and one thing that we talked about this a couple months back with Andre Gower uh, was the importance of MTV at the time. So Geffen Records, who had these guys, they they hired Spike Jones, Video Dynamo at the time, who was actually also fairly new at the time, but he became a staple in the 90s as well. So he shot this video, which is also the band's first video. And to say this van was or this this video was on MTV all the time would be a complete understatement. I feel like this band's first two videos were always on MTV. And both were done by Spike Jones, by the way, which probably attributed them to becoming like one of the top acts of the 90s and they still are today they don't tour quite as much i think they were supposed to be on tour last year 
with Green Day, and that got canceled, and that's going to kick back up, I think, again this summer. Uh, surprisingly, this uh, debut single it only topped at number fifty-seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Only, but as but as we mentioned on that episode a couple months ago, at this point in time in 1994, I really do believe like your MTV airtime was far more important than where you yeah. were ranked on the charts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just what it is. Like, who cares? They were number fifty-seven. They were constantly on MTV, and I think part of the reason that the uh, a lot of people thought this song was funny. And that was because of the video. But Rivers Cuomo himself said that this was supposed to be a sad and depressing song. But you know what? It's like Brendan. I'm, now I'm throwing names out. Brendan B. Brown from Weedis. He was on a couple weeks ago. And he said the song is what it is. Like, you know, sure, the writer sees it one way, but the audience can completely manipulate it to see however they see fit. So that said, this is one of those songs where it's fun to watch people online just like argue about the true meaning blah blah like oh no it's about this i know this story it's about this the bottom line is you're all right because it's however you take it that's how the song is you know so i give you weezer undone the sweater song yeah. mm-hmm. we were sitting here going who is it, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll toss it down to mick and sebastian and kaylee for the ruling on the music round well, I got to say Elvis because my mom is like an absolute diehard fan. She had his face at one point tattooed on a, on her shoulder. Wait, uh, where'd it go? Nice. She covered it up. Oh. Yeah. Uh, she has. A <laughs> she saw that last old. concert. <laughs> she has like their signature at one point. An entire room was dedicated to all Elvis memorabilia, like wow. posters, trays, it's crazy. action figures. Like, yeah. I'm going to go with these. Why do you do this? Susie? Just because I existed then? <laughs> it's my mom, Kaylee. It's my mom. Okay? Fuck your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Best answer ever on an episode. <laughs> He's calling her. Hi, Just mom. put her on. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck. I break the ice. We got an exclusive. Oh, God. Then you ain't no friend of mine. Yeah, I know. Come on, you see that? You like that? Yeah. Ain't no friend of mine. <laughs> I was born in 94, but that doesn't mean anything. I don't remember anything for that fucking year. <laughs> Why not? You know, you remember every detail from the year you were born? Of course. That's when Raiders came out, so of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. I don't even know what that is. Uh, <laughs> oh, my heart. <laughs> oh. You're going to make Joe cry. Uh, not <laughs> Sorry, but I, I have to go Elvis. Boom. So classic. All right, Joe Finley, you pick up two points. You tie this game with me, and we're going to go on to our final wild card round to decide who wins this game. All righty. I uh, am going to defer to you, good sir. All righty. All right, so for my uh, wild card selection, I actually went with another hot product. Or maybe we should call this one a cold product. It might be a little more fitting. We're going to go over to the Tennessean in Nashville, Tennessee, June 28th, 1989, where the headline reads, Nestle Crunch Bar features four flavors. The original Nestle Crunch Bar remains one of the top-selling ice cream bars in the country. Rich vanilla ice cream surrounded by milk chocolate. With a crisp rice coating makes this treat hard to beat. Unless, of course, you're comparing it to the new 
chocolate crunch. It's just like the original crunch, except it has chocolate ice cream. And then the article goes on to talk about, in addition to the crunch, Nestle still has their original ice cream bars that they're reintroducing in Alpine White and with almonds. So my wild card selection, the Nestle Crunch ice cream bar, now available in chocolate. So good. <laughs> no, I want ice cream. You just sold me on the no, chocolate Nestle. No, I want ice cream. But I always want ice cream. Joe looks like he's like, fuck. <laughs> he's like, mine, okay. potatoes. Well, I'm going, with, I'm going with the news, and uh, it's not coming in chocolate. It's actually good news for a change coming from me. Uh, on June 30th, 1977, the Women Marines, better known as the Marine Corps Women's Reserve, was disbanded integrating them with the male soldiers finally uh just a little background on the on uh women in the marines uh, it was the this uh reserve was formed in 1943 uh they first saw deployment in 1950 in korea uh where 2800 just shy of 2800 uh women were sent but they weren't put in combat in korea they were mo- mostly given clerical work and stuff like that uh it wasn't until 1967 when master sergeant barbara dulitsky became the first female Marine to see combat, and she was actually put on the lines. Uh, and then in 1977, everybody uh, was finally integrated. Combat became a uh, more prevalent thing for women, and uh, roughly now I think 9% of all uh, Marines are ladies. So a little bit of girl power. June 30th, 1977, the integration of yes, the genders in the <laughs> Marines. Right. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I was in the Marines from 2003 to 2007. There were no female grunts in the Marines during those four years. That's interesting. Dang, wait, called wait, wait. out. To be fair, isn't the Marines the hardest to get into? And on top of that, it's only 9% of that. Yeah. But real question, was there any chocolate Nestle Crunch ice cream? <laughs> Yes, in in the Marine Corps, <laughs> not usually. We have questions. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. I mean, I gotta go with chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> women, uh, women Marines. Oh man, I knew this was gonna come down to me. <laughs> he was like, he's whispering either. in the back, going chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Either he likes chocolate or he's sexist. Oh. <laughs> Go with the chocolate. <laughs> it's a triangle. He likes chocolate. He hates women. Women Females love chocolate. Females like chocolate, too. Think about the vaginas. Yeah, but you poke a hole in the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> We're not fucking ice cream. You're talking about vaginas. <laughs> I don't want to betray two things that I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about the chocolatey crunch when you think bite about the pussy the when you <laughs> open it. <laughs> oh my God. Which can you lick longer? All right, that's that's fair. I'm going to base this off of which one you can lick longer. Uh, I'm going to go with the Marines. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe Finley, it means you pick up another two points and you win this game. Congratulations. Thank you. I want to thank our judges from the band Rivals. You guys are awesome, man. Thank you. <laughs> hey, let, thank let me you. ask you, 
before uh, you guys uh, are getting out of here, because you brought up a lot of fun stuff like while we were doing that. And I we always ask this like for years, we asked bands that came on here, you know, what's the yeah. craziest thing that happened on tour? And everyone gave us these bullshit vanilla answers for the longest time. Then uh, Krista Makes from Lesson J came on and dropped like the H bomb with this uh, S&M nude uh wax bar like crazy story what's the craziest thing that happened on the road with you guys (laughs) (laughs) aside from watching tombstone on repeat while you're high someone left meat in our cooler in our van that got work on it for like a week and a half and literally all we had was dead flesh smell in our van for weeks uh i got told to get into the back of the line on my own merch table <laughs> uh, uh, and, and then a different girl proceeded to ask him to take a photo of her with the band same night same night um oh i think it had sex in the middle of the ocean Wait, <laughs> how did that happen did you have ice cream trailer <laughs> trailer jobs trailer jobs, trailer jobs. Oh, Megan's gotten a hand job with the trailer multiple okay. times. <laughs> wait, all right. We need, like, well, what's the wait? What's the details on this? For everything. <laughs> okay, which one? Pick, Sorry. pick a, pick a story. Pick one and give us the context to it. <laughs> I kind of like this lightning round. It's awesome. <laughs> I know. There's like nine of them. I don't even know which one to choose. I try to think of others. I'm trying to think of like what. There's so many stories. I'm trying to picture how he had sex in the water. Like, was that off the cruise ship? Did you jump in the water? Wait, what? What? No. You just said he had sex in the water. Like, was that during that cruise? We were on the boat, and I kept trying to get in. He's like, what? There was a sock on the door. <laughs> but it wasn't like, I don't know. I was drunk. <laughs> That's cool. Um, oh, yeah. One of our first tours, I got roofied. Um, Jesus. Jeez. Yeah, we've had some crazy stuff happen <laughs> on tour. Um, Are you a park ranger named Sullivan? <laughs> <laughs> what, what else is though? Um, like, there's like a bunch. Oh my god! So this one time we were in Dallas, Texas, and our old guitar player uh, and our, our our like touring drummer at the time were in the van, and they had this girl in there. And okay. mind you, the van's oh. windows are completely clear. They're not tinted at all. They're not tinted. <laughs> and we're on the hot street in Dallas. There's people walking this is by. Good times, by the way. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> and, uh, I look over and I'm seeing them all moving around. I was like, what's going on in there? So I walked over and I opened the van door and this chick has full titties out. Big, <laughs> huge, dude, like e-titties. I was like, you know, good for you. Um, and then she had the attitude to tell me to get out of my van. And I was like, yeah. I get to the back of the line. Yeah, it was a it was a Tinder date of our drummer and <laughs> ended up showing our her tits to not, her the drummer and our guitar player. Not a drummer now. Oh, yeah, not, not drummer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's pretty that that kind of reminds me of that uh the uh, Us Festival story we heard about David Lee Roth getting head while he was talking to some dude through the window. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yes. like nothing was going on. And he's like, what's going on? Like, like yeah. his, he couldn't even tell. He wouldn't accomplish- And David was like, he was like, come on in. And he like comes in and sure enough, that's what's going on. <laughs> right? Like nothing's going on. Like, hey, well, you know. Yeah. He wouldn't accomplish anything, though, if he didn't like multitask during blowjobs. 
<laughs> Which one can you like longer? <laughs> Interestingly, he was eating a Nestle Crunch bar while yeah. getting he head. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was having a conversation, eating the bar. Some other ones. We have in the chat somebody says, Whoa, that's fresh marketing and publicity. Says, Definitely ask Mickett about Lucy Lawless. I don't know if I missed that because I changed the battery in my headset. Oh, God. Who's that? Lucy Lawless played Xena, the warrior princess. Oh, oh yes. yeah, Mickett almost had sex. <laughs> what? He gets okay. He he gets the most pussy what? in this oh, band. All right, one thousand percent gets the most pussy in this band. So if you're a woman watching this, okay, it's so, the it's the beard. So I was at a birthday party. Uh, and I guess the family had known Lucy Lawless. Um, she shows up and she gets somehow sat next to me. She gets a little tipsy, right? And she's like, yo, you're kind of cute. And I was like, oh, Zena. <laughs> One of the stories I wussed out, unfortunately, but uh, who was hitting on me at the time? Ish. I, I think at that point, like, you're not fucking her. She's fucking you. This is Dina the Warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, like, for sure. Like, I don't know if you know this, but it's 5'8", okay? <laughs> you kind of have that thing. Have you ever seen the movie Airheads before? Oh, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. You're doing the, the quiet cool, like uh, Adam Sandler with uh, <laughs> with the cap on. She, uh, like, Zena was asking you, like, what are you thinking about right now? And you're like, swimming pools. <laughs> 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 listen i i know you're uh, the album just came out and well not just came out what month did it come out Ma it came March. out a little bit ago yeah March. yeah because i've had it on my spotify for a while and then the weird thing is i was listening to like dirty heads radio one day and it popped up on that what? and it was uh sad looks pretty on me what you're a song like, what for the playlist yeah. like, no like no, I, no i actually like the song but i was like this is weird because it doesn't really go no yeah so I, I like i clicked over the album and i figured the rest of your album would be like that track and every track is almost like completely different yes yeah. but they're all awesome and here's like it's been years that i've listened to an entire album where i've liked every song in the album and i haven't felt that there was filler on it and i'm not just throwing that out because you're wrong because we have bands on all the time and i'm i don't say that but seriously, like I haven't listened to an album in a very long time where I was like every song and the next one came on. And I was like, holy shit, I'm hooked already. And I listening. If I had to open up my Spotify right now, I don't know if can you do this on Spotify? Can you see what your top played album of the year is? I think that's all they like send it they out. Allow you to do it's it. just at the end of the year. Yeah. I guarantee at the end of the year, that album will be number one on my list. Uh, yeah. It's insane. Dang. And it was all because I was listening to a Dirty Heads playlist. And that's you guys came up so <laughs> random, but I love it, it. seriously, it is now from here on for the rest of the year. You're literally going to bed playing our album. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think like at this point, I don't even think I need to. I I've listened to it a lot. Like almost every time I'm in the car, I have it on. It just automatically comes on, but I don't turn it off. Um, but oh like, how God. did you guys get you like all these? <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys get all these different like genre mix like for every song sent feels uh like a lot different we listen to a lot yeah. of different things we all listen to very different styles of music um i'm really pop like like pop but i like growing up i listened to a lot of like used um mxpx offspring i grew up you know i grew up uh freaking system of a down like so 
all of us, but I, right now I listen to mainly pop, but like, uh, what? I'm sorry, <laughs> what are you I, laughing about? I was laughing because, uh, when you said- I just you, hear him back here. <laughs> you said, yeah, because you said you listen to pop and then you said system of a down, is that why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, because you were saying that you listen to us all the time. I imagine when you're driving and you're listening to it, you're like, yeah, sad looks good on me. But then, like, outside the window, and people pull up, you're like, sad looks good on me. <laughs> We've had this conversation on the show before. Like, I don't even care. Like, I'm 43 now. Like, if I'm driving down the road and fucking Wham is on on my radio, I don't <laughs> I'll just, I'll crank that shit. I'll be like, wake me up. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. Who gives a shit? Oh, my God, I see you. And actually, if I don't know if you guys have seen a picture of Boy George lately. He looks like George Michael now, which is fucking bizarre. Yeah, because he never did before. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, because because like so, George Michael was man George. Right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of wondering if he's not actually dead. Conspiracy <laughs> oh, that could be on Encounters, bro. There it is. <laughs> I'll host it. Let's start it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you wait. You mentioned MXPX there. I don't know. Are you allowed to talk about this? I don't know. I don't think so. So we're gonna skip it. Okay, so we will we'll <laughs> skip that Steph question. Steph will probably say it, yes or no in the chat. So, all right, if if somebody says it, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring it back. I'm keeping I'm keeping an eye. Yeah. What's uh, uh? What what's what's like the most annoying comparison that you guys get? Paramore. Really? Yes, what? all the time. If it's not Paramore, it's Evanescence. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the only two yeah. bands that people know apparently, and they just. You're, yeah. you're We've come right to the right conclusion that it's like those are the only two <laughs> female-fronted bands. You, know. you guys older, are no doubt. If someone's like a little yeah. older, sometimes I've got no doubt a couple times. Um, yeah. Pretty much, just if you have a vagina, you are this band that is popular. We all right sound now. alike if you're a girl, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said in this moment, not parallel. Yeah, we've gotten that. We've yeah. gotten that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to bring that one up. <laughs> yeah, we got we yeah. got Paris too. I don't know if you've heard of that. How does that conversation go? Like if somebody brings that up to you, like you, I've had people come up to me and they're like, I know this might be a little offensive, (laughs) but you guys care more. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet. They they always come up to me and they're like, yo, bro, do you know who you sound like? And I'm like, no idea. You should tell me. No, like Paramore. Oh, no, I, just, I just literally oh. answered them. And this is just like, you know who you yeah. sound like? Paramore. Paramore. They're like, yeah, oh dude. Oh, like, it's crazy. I'm like, oh, I, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the one who said that they, I don't mean this to be insulting. You know, there's no rule that we have to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't really take offense to it per se. Uh, I just think that us as an artist and as you said our album is very very different um we try to not do what everyone else is doing we just kind of do our own thing and people like it or they don't and if you think we sound like paramore then cool <laughs> if you think we sound like in this moment cool whatever man as long as you like it i guess <laughs> we got the message from publicity in the chat she said yes ha 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 you can sneak it here exclusive to this only well, Ooh. I did a as feature as you... with MXPX, bitches! <laughs> it's like the coolest feature I've ever done. I like, okay, I have a specific memory. Growing up, my brother and I made a bird playlist for our, our family boat for that summer, and MXPX was on it. So when I got the offer, I was like, yes! 
<laughs> I remember like one summer in high school, just yeah. I don't remember what album it was, but repeat like yeah. MXPX. So it was really cool, really cool to even be considered, let alone uh, be chosen. So I'm hyped. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's freaking awesome. Like, and you know what else is awesome is that you completely dated yourself by saying that you burned a CD. Ninety-four. Maybe you're not as young as you say. So this one time I burned a floppy disk. No, I've never done that. Okay, you don't burn a floppy disk. You just write shit to the floppy disk. (laughs) How'd you guys hook up as a band? I know this is completely off, but how'd you guys hook up as a band? If you all have different styles and everything <laughs> um so we met up uh Mickin and i have known each other for pretty much half my life no yeah pretty yeah much. literally we met when i was 13 he was 95 <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh no we met at the so being in la they had these like clubs that they're all ages and um we met there one time we just had a bunch of we all had a bunch of mutual friends uh, he's not even that much older than me. Yeah, like, I'm really not that much older. <laughs> Six years? How old are you? 37? What? Who, who let you live that long? What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. This might be my last year. Uh, there's statistics. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he. Yeah, I went on. struck by lightning. I went on, tour, <laughs> I went on tour with this old band called The Collected. I was 17 years old. My mom had, or he had my mom sign a waiver. So if I died, it wasn't his fault. Um, Cause he's a businessman. Does that sound like you, literally. Like, <laughs> my mom looked at it and goes. It's a good idea. <laughs> Sounds like Steven Tyler. <laughs> a, few, a, few later, um, a few years later, uh, he was like, yeah, I don't want to do metalcore anymore. I'm trying to do like something else. Uh, and then he joined another metalcore band. Great. Yeah, that's how I sound. Yeah. I was going to say spot on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then uh yeah and then so Seth here we played shows with his ex-girlfriend at the time and uh we had just let go of our bass player who he was at the show when we yeah, left like left. super awkward because like, we never even talked anyway um so i was in the band meeting him not knowing that or him knowing that he doesn't know that he is getting kicked, kicked out, out. Oh, so, uh, yeah, uh, and so Seb just pretty much commented on our post about needing a bass player with the little girl emoji, like this. And, um, yeah, now he's our bass player. And then Josh, he lingers, he He lingered, (laughs) he he lingered around enough to where, like, "Ah, all right, right." (laughs) (laughs) just just give him a job. That's called lurking, and it's bad netiquette. (laughs) Thank you. He was our touring drummer for like a long time and he was like on and off and he was in like 29 projects and in the Ogden's project. That was like one of them. Yeah. There was a few of them. Uh, too, many bands. too many bands. Um, And that was kind of a reason we were always like, no, we don't want him. He's too, he's got too much going on. And then we started touring and he started coming along on our tours and stuff. And um, eventually we were at a boba spot. We we're like, Josh, we got to talk to you about something. It's really, <laughs> Oh, this is, that was great. It's this really is- important. Um, we scared just, the shit out yeah, of Yeah, he was like, fuck. Oh. Uh, we're like, we just wanted to let you know that you are now part of Rivals. And he goes, ah! And started crying. Really but we made him quit every other single band. So. Yeah, we didn't make him. <laughs> just, yeah, we, we gave him the ultimatum. We're like, okay. either you join us and quit everything, or... Did we do that? I mean, yeah. it it wasn't as harsh, but it was like... No, it was. That. It was. Yeah. <laughs> they, they said it nice, but that's what it was. Well, anyways, 
though. That's Wait, great. so the guy that got kicked out, that was the guy that had the uh the girl with the no. was it size E you said? Different No E Different size, man. Oh yeah, yeah no, no, yeah, yeah, different different one. Yeah. Different. Oh, okay. But uh to go back to that kicking out the base thing, it was kind of like I was like the mistress, like that Mickey was gonna <laughs> say that they were cheating on. It's like I know and you don't know that I know. Like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we used to have another guitar player, um, and it ended up not working out. But the drummer who was on tour with us at the time and that guitar player were uh, the Chitty Van Girl situation. Uh, I was in there. What are you talking about? I wasn't there. Oh, I you, wasn't you were in there? Yeah. Uh, it really doesn't matter. By the sounds of it, there's enough to go around. So. <laughs> <laughs> the whole band would have a piece of that. Yeah. Wait, what? If there was an E, like yeah. there's room for everybody. They were big was, titties. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a pair of titties that big. I mean, I, I probably have, but like that, yeah. it's pretty rare. Can I tell you how it's depressing it is when we have a band on and they have all these killer stories and we're just a couple of old podcasters who just like I know that's why I like listening to it. You're like, I touched titties once. Oh, yeah, me too. The just the once. Party. I got to touch a titty at some oh, party. You guys ever heard of? You ever heard of Sausage Castle? Yeah, have you ever heard of Sausage Castle? Can't say. Oh no! What is this? So we got lucky enough to go there. We spent a night there. Um, I have a scar. The most crazy from the Sausage Castle as possible. What'd you say? You got a scar from the Sausage Castle. Yeah, but like, okay, (laughs) but not for a reason. You probably well for context purposes, real quick. The sausage party is think of a millennial version sausage of castle. a sausage castle. <laughs> Goddamn, sausage castle. Just, uh, think, sausage. think of the sausage castle as a millennial version of the Playboy Mansion. Oh, okay. okay, it was it All was right. thotty. Yeah, super thotty, ratchet. Anyways, I have a not, scar on my not knee. Not classy like half. Yeah, uh, I have a scar on my knee <laughs> okay. because at the front of the sausage castle, the stairs go down like this. So like the front door's here and they go like this. There's pitch black outside and I was hammered. Like beyond, I was like, and my friend was behind me and I was like, oh, I need to run to the van to grab something. And so I just walked out. <laughs> but the stairs go like this. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God. I just like five feet. I did. I broke a, I broke a beer and then I literally have, I was like, I have got like a hole like this big of a scar and it was just gushing blood down my knee. All I'm picturing like a Scooby Doo scene where like he runs off of something yes. and yeah, he realizes much. that he's off the ledge yeah. and falls. More more context to that place. Like Just like Post Malone's been there. Every like like famous people go and hang out all the time too. It's uh Mike Busey's place, which if I remember correctly, I think he helped create Jackass or something like that. I don't know the lore totally. But essentially, a big part of their income is they had, like, before OnlyFans was an actual thing, it was like a private Snapchat yeah. that people would, you know, subscribe to and they'd provide content. Content. I'm getting to that. Sexual and non sexual. Oh, things. this is getting good. So, go for it. Um, we go in, and one of our friends, she opens the door and she's like, Do you guys want to see something crazy? And we're like, Oh, fuck yeah, let's go. So we walk out into the backyard and there's this big fat clown, like clown makeup and everything, just T-shirt off, singing um, with a guitar. And right next to him is this girl squatting down, playing with herself with a chicken head. 
like acting like a chicken, but playing with her and herself. And we're just like, what the fuck? And then we come back out a little later, same things happening. Only now she's doggy style and there's a dude with a squirrel. With a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. And he's just singing about having sex. And I was just like, what is happening right now? Like, I don't understand this. This place is crazy. Yeah. And then like uh, when where we went to bed, it, it's like a master uh closet master it's like bigger than the room we're in right now which i guess you can't see so yeah like it's, it's essentially two rooms put together and that's just the closet but they had like yeah, bunk beds where people would stay and we were staying with some strangers too i think there were a couple but did porn stuff obviously and they started just having <laughs> sex completely in like everyone's awake talking and everything just, like, just ah, didn't care like full-blown like not give a shit <laughs> and so we're laughing after they finish and stuff and this guy up top he just goes man your tits are so nice and i was like i want to feel tits and she goes you can feel them <laughs> this is a roadhouse yeah, you see my hand come for the <laughs> i was just like what is joe's like what's the address of this <laughs> yeah that's that's the sausage castle really for fun, you yeah. You dared feel another woman's breasts immediately after she finished having sex with somebody else? Yes. Hell yeah. That's a little risky there. This is, yeah. Yeah, this is during sex. What do you mean? No, this is during. It's only sweat. Maybe. You don't know know how we finished, you know? You never know. Well, you're right. (laughs) I didn't didn't come back. This is. (laughs) (laughs) And this is when moist towelettes become the hot product. This is where COVID came in handy because yeah. then everyone was like, got your hand sanitizer? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll let you guys get going. Those are amazing stories. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Good luck with the album. And are you guys doing anything? Are you going on tour or doing anything this summer? Yeah, not this summer, but fall, uh, spring. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't announced anything yet. Oh, okay. All right. So where should where should people go to find you and all that stuff? Yes, all of our sites are We Are Rivals. We are RVLS. It's Rivals Without the Vowels. Go check us out. Our new album title looks pretty yummy. Um, it's got tons of different genres from left to right and up to down. And um and like Italian, um I always call food genres. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I realize nobody knows the context of that joke. Um but yeah, check it out. I hope you guys like it. I didn't even get that. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I just like <laughs> whatever works. Uh, whatever. We, we also we yeah, also do have a uh, exclusive non-exclusive uh, Patreon. Patreon, where we uh, post uh, behind the scenes material. You know, private stuff. You get uh, access to everything twenty four hours before actual release. You get free and gifts. gifts and yeah, many other gifts. things and beard hairs. Nice. Yeah tour like tour of the sausage palace yeah. is on that yeah <laughs> sausage party oh wait you didn't, wait did you say only fans or patreon i'm no, confused it's, now. it's it's only yeah. patreon yeah only patreon. <laughs> only patreon yeah oh yeah if their stories are any indication you want to see the behind the scenes <laughs> yeah seriously it sounds it sounds like you want to see it we need to post more but thanks and good luck with the album good luck with your tour uh maybe i'll see you guys these fall yes thank these you fall. so much thank you all right, take care, guys. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, Duelers. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to end this episode right here. But don't worry. If you've missed an episode, you can always go back and uh, check out our entire catalog over at DuelingDecades.com. Now, if you're watching along with us on YouTube, thank you very much. Make sure you subscribe to the show 
like the episode, and then hit the little notifications bell. That'll help our episode get shown to more and more people and help Dueling Decades grow. Pod TV. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. I'll get there. All right, Man Crush. <laughs> since you brought it up, why don't you tell all of our listeners about the breaking news we have about Pod TV? All right, so we just signed on. There's a new app that's out there. It's called Pod TV, and I believe their website is podtv.live. But they're on all the markets, Android, Apple. It's on your Roku TV, Fire Stick, Apple TV, whatever you got. So you can watch us on television. They have like a lineup of a bunch of shows. It's like you're watching actual television. But that's uh, podtv.live. And I think we already have uh, a couple episodes on there. I think Joe's been flashing up the logo on the stream. So check that out. And Joe, why don't you give everybody a sneak peek of what you got coming up on Miscast Commentary? Well, we're having a lot of fun right now. We're in our summer of sequels. Uh, We just had uh, Back to the Future 2 and uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey coming up. We got uh, Best of the Best 2, Terminator 2, a lot lot of 2s, Temple of Doom coming out. And uh, we are in the planning stages. We're really hoping we're going to be able to do it this summer. A 24-hour stream of all canon movie commentaries. So wow. we're trying, we're trying to, we've nailed down a lineup. We're trying to nail down a date and then we're going to nail down some guests. I'm hoping to do it by late July, early August. Nice. Well, definitely look forward to watching and listening to that. All right, duelers. Well, we're going to leave you right here. Thanks a lot for watching along with us. We're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Podcast New York. Podcast New York. Be heard. Be heard.